It's Wednesday, November 25th. Tonight is the Week 12 preview on the Fantasy Finish Line podcast. Look out! It's a trap. Jason. Hello, Dave. It is the Fantasy Finish Line podcast on the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast Network. That's a lot of words there. I just like flourishing titles. Drink 5's good. You know, drink5.com, drink5.com. Drink5.com. No self-promotion, drink5.com. Nothing but self-promotion. So I am Jason Evans, joined as always by Dave Biggs. Dave, great to be here once again. Um, We want some cheers, yes. Having a beer. We are... uh, Going to talk some fantasy football. Mm-hmm. Tonight we are going to talk about trap players, guys who um, you don't want to start, but you're probably leaning towards starting because you've normally started them. So we want to warn you against starting them because of uh, the situation on their team, perhaps the situation coming up in their matchups. And then we're going to talk about a few players that are going to look good in your flex position this week that you may not have wanted to start otherwise because their rankings may dictate that you can leave them on your bench. Yeah, I'm going to tell you why you want to get these guys in your lineup. And just to be clear, when we're talking about the best trap players, we're not referring to Migos or 2 Chains uh, or Future or any of those uh, gentlemen. Okay, I understood that reference. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a genre of music. I did understand that reference. Oh, I didn't know. See, I, we got to have that sarcasm tag. Okay. Uh, maybe in the future we can if have If we like can't a little... tell sarcasm when we're together <laughs> in person, then sarcasm is dead. <laughs> so, Dave, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, right. Well, I have a little Next Coast IPA, which is a Goose Island IPA can. Comes in a, in a very simple 15 variety pack that you can buy almost anywhere. And I think that's what throughout. What coast would that be then? Uh, the Next Coast? Yeah. Uh, that's that's when like the world ends and uh, the continental drift starts again and like all the, <laughs> the continents start uh, crashing into each other. We don't know which coast it'll be, but it'll be one of them. I think it's just Lake Michigan. It's Lake Michigan. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, tonight, yeah. have the 2020 <laughs> Celebration Fresh Hop IPA from Sierra Nevada. Big fan of this one. This is one of my favorite seasonal beers. Fresh Hop IPA. It's just delicious. I got nothing else to say. Mm. So, uh, I hope that you all, uh, if you're listening to us, uh, not in a vehicle or any sort of heavy machinery, that uh, you can grab yourself an alcoholic beverage and enjoy the next hour of fantasy football talk. So this evening, what we're going to dive into is the trap players. So the players you shouldn't be starting in Week 12, even though they appear to have a good matchup on paper. It's well put, Dave. And there's a really fast hi-hat, like, in the background. You're going to have to take care of the music here. <laughs> I should have created, like, a... If we, if we were if near the camera, episode. we could show you guys all of the musical implements surrounding us. Why didn't I, Jess, why didn't I make, like, a, like a trap uh, background music thing? We should talk them? to more people off camera. Yeah. That would be a great idea. so anyways uh the first guy i want to tell you not to start is lamar jackson and i know that there are some wild speculation rumors out there and i don't know that i need to repeat them and perhaps he won't be eligible to play this week we'll find out later in the week um but even if he plays don't mess with him this week uh the steelers and ravens game has been delayed till sunday due to a wave of positive tests on the ravens dave do you know what time they're gonna play that game have they announced that yet 
Um, I, I'm not sure. I'll look it up, but I don't think there's been a specific I thought uh, if I schedule. asked someone who likes the Steelers that it might be a good idea, but maybe not. Hey, you can point to the, the Steelers regalia. I'm proud of my uh, Steelers love, and you know what? Uh, this year has been the best record that uh, they've ever had, um, I think, ever. Um, so looking forward to it. <laughs> we were just talking the other day about uh, the odds of of a, of a team in the actual Super Bowl era making it to the Super Bowl, which I believe is 37.5% of all the teams so far uh, that have uh, gone 10-0 and over their first 10 matches have made it to the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl era. But I don't want to look at those stats too often because it'll just be really disappointing if something happens to my team. So. Sure. Yeah, you don't want to be the uh, 2009 Patriots. Yeah, it looks like it's been moved uh, to uh, 1.15 p.m. on Sunday, so that's just uh, just afternoon. That's a bummer because we lost a primetime game. I think they were supposed to play Monday night um, earlier in the season, and that game got delayed because of the Steelers-Titans uh, whole thing when the Titans had to miss a week. And now this one is being removed from Thursday night uh, on Thanksgiving. That would have been you know, clearly the crown jewel of that evening. Well, I would think that they would not want to uh, put it specifically on a primetime spot again in case there were more positive tests from the Ravens. That's probably what they were trying to do. Oh, you have a great point. I did not think of it from that way because I'm thinking, why not flex <laughs> out the Bears and Packers, a game that, yeah. while it will draw yeah. fans, is not any good. And I got to—I don't know, maybe the Bears-Packers draw more fans than the Steelers and Ravens. Well, they're both rivalries, and, and the Steelers-Ravens wasn't technically a rivalry until uh, like 10 years ago or so. But right. honestly, the Ravens... It's a modern rivalry, and yeah. those are the best ones. Ra- Ravens are a much better rivalry for the uh, for the Steelers than the Browns, because let's be would honest... You, would you say it's rivalry week? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so back to Lamar Jackson. Um, if the game is played on Sunday, it's certainly possible that whatever happens... The Ravens are going to be on a skeleton crew. They have lost several players, and I just saw a news update that uh, the Ravens have announced that they have disciplined an unnamed staff member for conduct surrounding the recent COVID-19 cases that have impacted the team. Uh, That's off of Roto World, um, in case you want to track that. I think skeleton crew is a little much, but yes, there are people that probably won't play in the game because of the covid uh... Uh, Definitely, because these aren't just uh, positive, these aren't contact cases, these are positive tests, I believe, right? Positive cases? I'm, I'm not sure. It's it's uh, it's something I'd have to go back and look at. I I mean, at this point, when, when people test positive for, for COVID in the NFL, uh, it's almost, uh, it's not a lock that they won't even play the next game, because they could come back and still be in the next game, depending on when they uh, come down with that diagnosis. That's true, but they, I they I have to. Uh... I do think they were positive tests and not just contacts. So I think you're right that it's a little more alarming, which is probably why, uh, as you mentioned, there's some uh, some kind of repercussions coming down for it. I, I think maybe somebody who works for the Ravens was going around spitting in everybody's mouth or oh something my, like that. Oh my god! <laughs> so, assuming the game is played. We'll go ahead and look at He's the numbers. He's not here. welcome in Baltimore. Jason is. Uh... I'd love to go to Baltimore. I'll go. I'll go see some of the uh, stuff from the wire. I'll go eat some um, some crab. Yeah, well, yeah. They've, um, they've got a good aquarium. They got they got catfish. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the Steelers are giving up the fewest points to opposing quarterbacks. Uh, when the teams faced off in Week Eight, Jackson had 65 rushing yards, his third highest total on the year. Uh, I don't expect the Steelers' defense to give up rushing yards like they did that week they gave up 265 
rushing yards that game. Uh, this team has been stingy against the run all year, except for that one game. Mm-hmm. I expect the Steelers to uh, tighten it up. Um, aside from that, Jackson managed 16.82 points in that game. He completed only 46% of his passes. He threw two interceptions. One of them was a pick six. Just an awful game for Lamar Jackson. If he's going to have fewer players this time around, that's not looking good for him. The last time around, he was coming off of a bye week, and he still managed to have his lowest passer rating of the season. So with extra time to prepare for that game, um, they they still didn't work out. This game is just utter chaos leading into it. I don't know if that's going to help them or not, but I, I suspect it won't. There's, there, there's a little part of me that thinks maybe Lamar Jackson, given the chance to just hear Lamar, take the ball, go out and play football, and don't think too hard about it, could be a little bit better, could be a little bit more like last year. Do you think that that's a thing, Dave? Or do you think that, you know, with without enough preparation, it's just no good? Uh, yeah, I think that these guys are playing at such a level that it doesn't really matter if, uh, if they're not able to practice for a couple of days. And I think Lamar Jackson has enough talent and skill in him to – to really do a great job, but the Steelers have shown already that they're they're not going to um, they're they're not going to be a wet blanket like they sometimes are in in uh, midseason form or early season form. So I I think that it's not going to matter for the Ravens. They're they're impacted negatively in multiple ways, and I don't see this being a good outcome for them. All right, um, so. Uh, as far as the Steelers go, they've only gotten better against the opposing quarterbacks during this time. They've only allowed two touchdowns in the air in the last three games. They've picked off their opponents five times. So aside from the wild speculation about the Ravens' health, let's pretend like most of them would play, I guess. How do you think they match up against the Steelers this year? The Steelers are great. The Ravens have taken a drop-off. Um, are, are they still in the same kind of tier, or are the Steelers clearly like a step above the Ravens now? Specifically, there's a couple of running backs that are off the board, at least for now, and if that continues to be the case and they lose some depth at that position. Uh, the wide receivers have not been uh, putting up big numbers because Lamar Jackson in the passing game has not been on point. So I don't see a situation in which the offense of the Ravens is uh, powerful enough to offset uh, the defense that has shown itself from the Steelers. I agree. I think that this is just a bad spot for the Ravens, and I don't think that Lamar Jackson, who at the time of me preparing the notes anyways, was the QB 10 uh, as far as Dave's rankings go. Uh, So you can check out, um, and and it was his ECR as well. So please go to our site, check out Dave's rankings. They are, uh, he is a member of the, one of the experts that they uh, join rankings on, make a consensus out of on Fantasy Pros. Um, you can look at all of the rankings compared to each other on Fantasy Pros. You can go to our site, drink5.com, and view Dave's individual rankings there exclusively. So talking specifically about Lamar Jackson then as a, as a trap game, um, I, I, playing against the Steelers ordinarily is not a great game for, um, for, for teams this year anyway, but there have been a couple of teams that have done well against them, scoring mm-hmm. a lot of points mm-hmm. offensively. But I guess we agree that uh, Lamar is not one of those. And uh, he's been on our cut list in the past, so especially for a one-quarterback league, we're not going to see Lamar Jackson on smart teams. Yeah, his ECR sits at 11, and I don't think that you should be starting him in 10, 12-team leagues this week. 
Let's move to Melvin Gordon. So Melvin Gordon, uh, ECR, uh, and that's the expert consensus ranking that Jason was just talking about of the 160-plus experts on Fantasy Pros, is the running back 30 this particular week. Now, I have uh, included the spread, so that's the best ranking so far uh, is 24, and the worst is 35. Uh, so that's the kind of range that he's in. And again, we're talking about trap players and, and those players that you might want to start or you might be suggested to start, but it's not a good idea. Uh, he's projected for 8.4 fantasy points. And he's playing uh, New Orleans in Week 12. Uh, Denver's playing the Saints. Um, and uh, after a few weeks of trending down, it was 24.8, 11, 7.7, 3.2, and 4.6 in his previous five games. Gordon put up two touchdowns and 84 rushing yards on 15 carries in the Broncos' 2013 win over the Miami Dolphins last week. Do you have Gordon on any of your fantasy teams? I do not. Okay, so he was a great not play. Not with him this year. Great play last week, and a couple of other weeks he's done well uh, in addition to that. So it's his second two-touchdown game of the season. His first back in week four against the Jets. And it's not that Gordon can't log big fantasy games, because he can, but it's that he's part of a committee with Philip Lindsay on an offense trying to find its identity and playing against a particularly tough rushing defense in the Saints. So, Jason, uh, do you know how well the Saints have been doing this year as a rushing defense? Um, I believe they've been doing rather well, haven't they? Yeah, they actually allow the lowest fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. That's 12.5 fantasy points per game. Oh, and, that's amazing. And remember that stats don't always tell the whole story on how a player is being utilized within the context of a game. So looking at Melvin Gordon, he did score two touchdowns and had oh, wow. a lot of points this past uh, week. But um, he only played 52% of the snaps, and he didn't have a single target in the passing game. So that means to me that he is literally in a, a very strong committee and that playing against a team that is the best against running backs – who would dare start him? I'm not sure, but it's not going to be me. Let me give you some perspective on how good they have been. Since week four, so up until week four, they were giving up a couple good performances. The best performance week five and later was David Montgomery's 11.5 points. The next best performance was Leonard Fournette's seven points. So I we don't think... And that was the game that they blew out the Buccaneers. We don't think that there's going to be a, a strong running back performance by the Denver Broncos in Week 12. Oh, no. You can take that one to the bank. Yep. I'll bet the under on that one. I'm going to keep that in mind. Well, keep him on the bench, and let's move on to our next running back on the list. So the guy who I really uh, kind of stuck out to me at running back anyways was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the Kansas City running back, last week was his high water mark. He... Put it, uh, found the end zone twice, but he only has four touchdowns on the season. I don't know that um, you're going to be able to rely on touchdowns from this guy. This week's opponent, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, have only given up two rushing touchdowns in the last six weeks. They are the fourth best team when it comes to giving up points to opposing running backs. So fourth fewest, that is. They've only allowed 20-point games to Alvin Kamara and Christian McCaffrey. That was in weeks one and two. They have certainly uh, gotten their shit together since then. They've done a great job shutting down their opponents. Um, they've only given up 10-plus points to players, uh, to four players in the last nine weeks. So looking back uh, at Edwards Allaire, uh, his carries have tanked since Le'Veon Bell joined the team. Um, it's not as if Le'Veon Bell is taking all the work from him or anything like that. There just isn't a lot to go around in the first place. So before Le'Veon Bell... Allaire, Edwards Allaire, God, we really need a shorter or a nickname or something. CEH is a good one. 
but that doesn't roll off the tongue. It's very awkward as well. Just call him Clyde, man. But okay, so Clyde <laughs> was averaging twenty-one point three. Clyde is not formal enough. What's happening? Clyde's fine. Clyde's <laughs> fine. I guess we just have to get used to it. So he had twenty-one point three touches <laughs> per game in his first six games. Now it's ten point two five over the last four. Those are the four games with Le'Veon Bell. His snap percentage during that time period went from over 66% in the first six to under 50% in the next four games. So Clyde is probably worth a start or two later in the year, depending on matchups. So he's definitely not on my cut list. Uh, But during the tough matchup, keep him on your bench. That's this week. Don't buy into the hype from last week. So do you have uh, Clyde anywhere, Dave? I, I do. And on that team, I actually have uh, Clyde and uh, Le'Veon Bell. It's a deeper league. And I uh, struggle with starting a Kansas City running back because they're just not utilizing them uh, to the point at which you would you thought that they would. Yeah. And that's what you're trying to get across here. And, and yeah, you it's, are. it's a backfield with an unappealing split between the two players. Yeah. Um, do you envision any games between now and the end of the year when they don't the Chiefs don't rely on their passing game? I mean, their passing game is so phenomenal. I don't see why they wouldn't, but maybe you have a different look at it. I don't see how it's possible that the Chiefs don't rely on their passing game as you know the weeks move on here, unless they've locked up their position so tightly that they don't need to win the game, uh, or there's some kind of problem with the wide receiver or Patrick Mahomes himself. At this point, Sammy Watkins is practicing again, I'm pretty sure. And so that's the, the WR2 for this team that, uh, let's be honest, has had some good games and will come back and have even more passing yards. Yeah. And yeah. so, like, what is the point of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Le'Veon Bell? Well, uh, they are still some of the most talented on paper guys in the league, uh, certainly in the top 40 of running backs, right? And so those two guys, uh, they I think they really make the coach smile, and I would not be surprised if we just finally, like at some point in the season, even in the playoffs, see some game where, where he just utilizes them every single down. And, <laughs> and, uh, and this whole uh, this whole thing that he's doing now is just because he doesn't need to overutilize them. And, and perhaps he recognizes, uh, like so many coaches don't, that overutilizing your running backs uh, simply results in, uh, in injuries, uh, and burnout and depth chart changes and burnout and if you don't have to then why would you that's smart save them for the playoffs they're gonna make it there no problem they only have one loss they'll have to go on the road to win the championship game but um right now it looks like you know they'll have at least two home games i think is the way it would work out they win their division they'll host the first weekend uh if they win that game they'll host the second weekend because they wouldn't play the top seed right away yeah Cool. Uh, so what do you got? You got one more of the uh, trap players, or, or one more trap situation, if you will. Sure. So uh, this isn't one specific player, but actually a couple. We're talking about all of the wide receivers for Cincinnati, and that's T. Higgins, uh, who is the wide receiver 42 uh, in our expert consensus ranking uh, that we use from Fantasy Pros. That's 27 to 49, best to worst. Uh, Tyler Boyd is the wide receiver 38, so ranked a little bit higher than him, uh, with a 26 to 57 uh, spread, which is interesting. Uh, we could have these conversations in and of themselves about players because Tyler Boyd's spread is much wider than Higgins, but his ranking is higher. 
meaning that the experts are placing him more often on the top end of that than the lower end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and A.J. Green, who I won't get into his actual ranking, but uh, we should be happy uh, that he's actually playing games and scoring points. He's had double-digit weeks uh, this year, and you know that that is pretty impressive for a guy who just couldn't seem to get on the field at all in uh, 2019. But let's talk about him. So Higgins and Boyd, they've put up double-digit fantasy performances more often than not, both of them, and that's awesome. And I know that you have Higgins on a team. I have Boyd on a couple teams. I, I was really excited to pick up Higgins earlier in the year. We had talked about him one night. I put in claims for him. I think it was the one show we did on a Thursday, on a Tuesday. Um, but yeah, it was fun to have him. I started him in several games this year. Yeah, it's worked out for me. But I, I cannot start him with. Uh, I mean, right. So spoiler so, alert: he might be on the cut list. So number one pick, Joe Burrow tore both his ACL and his MCL last week in an injury so bad that CBS wouldn't even air the replay. Uh, and the consequences of that injury are now echoing through the halls of the Paul Brown Stadium, which many people don't know the name of, because why would you know the name of the Cincinnati Bengals Stadium? Uh, the consequences... I don't know. I mean, we know the name of most of the stadiums, don't we? Uh, I mean, in, in general, I think football fans just uh, aren't uh, specifically... Is it, isn't the Bills, don't the Bills play at, like, Crushed Folding Table Stadium? <laughs> we can <laughs> rename it something else here. Uh I, I wonder if we took a poll of uh, of all of our listeners and the people that go to the website, um, which stadiums uh, from the teams that they have no idea what they're called. Uh, there's probably so everyone knows like Green Bay. It's probably um, it's probably Cleveland, Cincinnati. <laughs> it's it's once the stadiums are named after like corporations, Jacksonville maybe that they lose a little bit of uh, their luster. Yeah. You know, I know that Tampa Bay is Raymond James Stadium. If it's named after a person, I feel like it sticks in your head. Yeah. Well, Paul Brown Stadium, the consequences are especially dire for anyone uh, intending on utilizing those Bengals receivers in their starting lineup this week and going forward. So what were your first thoughts when you first heard about the injury to Burrow? And now I won't go into Dynasty directly. Now, I, I know that you have him in a Dynasty. <laughs> my first thought was to my Dynasty team I know, with Joe Burrow. <laughs> I know you have Burrow in a Dynasty league. I don't think uh, that Burrow is in danger of not having the starting position next year. But this is a similar injury to the one that uh, that actually uh, happened to Carson Palmer. And with yeah, Carson Palmer, yeah. it bled all the way into uh, the following year, regular season games. It did. So that was probably 15 years ago now. I think that, you know, they're a little bit better at uh, rehabbing these guys, at fixing it up. So I, I think that he will be ready for the start of next season. Um, that being said, you know, he's still a, a young quarterback. It's not like uh, when he comes back, he will, you know, pick up where he left off. I think it's going to take a little time for him to get back in the groove of things. So that's going to hurt the um, draft position of Tyler Boyd of T. Higgins next year. Um, I don't know A.J. Green's contract situation, but I'd be surprised if he was on the team next year. Um, so the gotcha. first thing I thought as it goes to redraft leagues is that uh, T. Higgins is not going to have any value for me anymore. I, I might want to hold on to him just to see, but it's not going to be Ryan Finley even. Who is the quarterback? So second-year quarterback Ryan Finley came in after Burrow, and he only completed 30% of his passes and an interception. And apparently that wasn't quite enough to secure the starting role. So our new starting quarterback in Cincinnati is Brandon Allen, who was starting last year for the Broncos, and before that was on a couple of other teams. Okay. And he should be looked at, in my opinion, as a 50-50 quarterback. And by that, I mean 50-50 touchdown interception, 50-50 passing completion. And that's being generous because his passing completion of his starts last year was more like 45 
75%, but we'll call him a 50-50 QB. And I don't think he can... He's su- a QB half the time. I don't think he c- can support more than one fantasy receiver. And on a team that has uh, A.J. Green, T. Higgins, and uh, Tyler Boyd, the problem is always going to be, on a weekly basis, yes, one of them will probably have enough to support fantasy production starting on a team, but which one is it, I don't think it's possible to tell. So I think uh, I think it's going to be hard, if not impossible, to start any of those guys at any position other than your flex or desperation slot. But you would need a good matchup. You would need to see something positive out of uh, Brandon Allen as well. Yeah, and that's not going to happen, guys. Uh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> but uh, it doesn't mean that you need to get caught in the fire that resulted from uh, the Bengals burning all the tape of the next couple weeks. You can just leave the building. Don't get caught in the fire. Leave the building. Keep the guys <laughs> on the bench. Trade the guys. You know, Ditch the guys. Whatever. Uh, you may well play uh, Tyler Boyd this week, and he may have a good game. But it's not going to happen consistently anymore. So when you're playing in the fantasy playoffs and you play T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd, remember that that uh, chance of him scoring double-digit points is now a 50-50 quarterback's prerogative. Yeah. I mean, there may be someone each week who is relatively fantasy-worthy, but I don't think it's going to be the same guy each week. And um, I think it's going to really depend on matchups. They play the Giants this week, so uh, you're going to wind up with a, a strong Giants team, You know, surprisingly we're talking, enough. We don't normally talk about uh, defense either, and maybe one of these weeks we will, because there's a lot of really good matchups that you can dig into, uh, but that's a really good one this week, is the Giants defense who, that was available in almost every league, if not every league across the Yeah, I think I had spectrum. a claim in almost every single league on the Giants last you know, night. Grab the Giants playing against Brandon Allen. That's fantastic. And then we've got uh, Jake Luton uh, on the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, who's also not going to be the starter. It's going to be uh, uh, another guy. Who's, so there's no more Luton Lunacy? Who's... So we have Glennon... Gregariousness? Yes. It's... I, we're, we're really running out of nicknames here. We need Minshew Mania back. When you start uh, Mike Glennon, the this, this super tall, lanky sack king, you know... Uh... Glennon the giraffe. <laughs> it's And it doesn't even rhyme. This is weak. This is oh, weak. yeah. Your nickname game is weak, but... I, well, I'm I not... blame it on Mike Glennon. I'm not providing any either. So. <laughs> My point is, uh, this this week you have two teams that it's really great to play that you normally wouldn't play at all, but both of those teams are going to be playing against weak quarterbacks, and what's better than playing against a, uh, a rookie or, or a really uh, demonstrably weak quarterback? Nothing. Right. Um, so, we, we, we good on that? We got anything else to say about uh, guys that we don't want? In your lineup? No, and of course there's more. And if anybody has questions about, uh, you know, should I play this guy? Is he a borderline guy? Then then go ahead and feed him into the chat. Or, of course, you can uh, hit us up at Drink5 on Twitter or Drink5 on Facebook or Drink5.com or Jason at Drink5.com, Dave at Drink5.com. Uh, just search for Drink5, uh, and there'll be some way for you to get your uh, questions or comments to us. But we can't go over everybody that you shouldn't play, so let's uh, let's move. Let's that. talk about some guys we should play. Yeah. And and remember to go. You know, if you can't reach us at all, you can go to our website and look at day's rankings. Make your decision there. Um, I I have to say I, for the most part, endorse all of Dave's rankings, except for maybe the next guy, on the list who. <laughs> You know, rankings rankings change. They do. They do. Uh, and, and I'm sure this will morph a little bit. And I think it will because of uh, 
practice news this week. Anyways, uh, we're going to talk about flexible players now, as in players that have been off the radar. But I but appreciate the endorsement. Easily be put in your flex <laughs> spot in week 12, based on a good matchup, based on internal situations shaking up. So my first guy is Cole Beasley, wide receiver in Buffalo. He's been an on-and-off-again player for the Bills this season. When he's on, though, he's having great games. He has 11 receptions in two of his last four games, one of which was a game that John Brown set out. The other one was the game against Arizona where John Brown had an injury during the game. This week, Brown looked like he was going to come back because they were on bye last week. Um, he tweaked his ankle in week 10. He got the week off. Looked like Brown was going to come back, but he missed practice on Tuesday and today on Wednesday. And as we always say, pay attention to when guys practice on Friday. If guys practice on Friday, they're probably going to play. If they don't practice on Friday, you're almost certain that they're not going to play uh, other than in rare situations. So um, I don't think that John Brown is going to end up playing this week. If he does, I think it's going to be in more of a decoy position. Uh, so that leaves a lot of space for Cole Beasley. He is the WR26 overall on the season, um, so he's going to have a lot of room on the field. I think it's clear that Josh Allen trusts him. He has targeted Cole Beasley the second most on the team. Uh, number one, obviously, Stephon Diggs, who is having just a hell of a year. Uh, so Beasley's rewarded that trust. He has an 82% catch rate on the season, uh, exactly what you want to see out of the guy who you're targeting so much in the short yardage situations and possession receiver. Uh, so Beasley is on track for the most reception of his career. He's averaging one more catch per game than he was last year on the Bills. So this week the Bills face the Chargers. They are a good defense. They're giving up the sixth fewest fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. It's not a cupcake matchup by any means, but I do expect the following combination to work in his favor. The Bills are coming off of a bye week. The Chargers have to fly very far east and very far north. And Stephon Diggs is going to take all their attention, and it's going to benefit Cole Beasley. So, Dave, you have Beasley ranked at 50 right now. Uh, his ECR is 45. Why do you suppose he's ranked where he is? Um, and do you think that the absence of John Brown is going to improve that ranking like, I, I, I figure as far as the ECR goes, they are considering John Brown an active player at the moment, uh, whereas Cole Beasley, um, you know, is healthy. And I, I expect him to move up into at least the high 30s. <laughs> Not going to happen. But okay. interesting that you that you uh, have the your finger on the pulse of all of the fantasy experts. Just let me know what kind of discussion network that you're in with all of them. If there's a, they told there's me a, not to invite you. If there's a Discord going on that you I'm, did that too I'm well not. in the preseason last year, <laughs> they don't want you around. Uh, here's what I'll say, and this is a compromise, and I think you'll be happy with it anyway. Uh, so I, I will say that all the things that you said were correct, and Beasley's been doing really well this year, and he is a a, a guy that's a, you know that small slot target that is is a, a prized possession in a lot of NFL teams, and Josh Allen certainly likes him. They certainly utilize him. But you didn't mention that uh, before his last game, which was a huge blow-up game, certainly contributing to his statistics, which was 11 receptions of 109 yards and a touchdown, yeah. he had two games where he only had two receptions and then three receptions uh, for 24 yards and 39 yards. Yeah. So you're, you're, you know, we talked I about this all I said that he's time. on and off. And I said only we two say, of the last four games were good. We say you can use statistics any way you want to. But in, in the two games that it was good were the games without John Brown. And this week looks like it's going to be one of those. We'll so see that's if, where I was going with that. I understand. And let me let me address that. So uh, uh, John Brown was not for sure going to practice or not practice. And he still has a chance to come back to the practice field. And he's not the be-all, end-all of Cole Beasley anyway. 
Uh, I just want everyone to be aware before taking advice that the last two games before this previous one were really bad games by Cole Beasley that you absolutely did not want to start him in. Uh, all of that said, uh, I have already moved Cole Beasley up to 42, uh, which is actually slightly above uh, Jerry Judy. Um, so it's right in between like uh, um, Mike Williams and and Jerry Judy. So Bo- both so of which I think are are more pumping up Cole Beasley all day long has gotten to you. No, well, <laughs> I, I, I'm saying that that uh, what people have to understand when they look at rankings, first of all, right? If they look at rankings on Fantasy Pros from me or from any anybody else or anywhere else really that are up on Tuesday. That's totally different from the rankings that will be up on Thursday, the rankings that will be up on Saturday, because uh, we don't know all of the information that is available or will become available. Yeah. And that's all I'm saying. So it, it will move up. I don't think the ECR will be in the 30s. I think you'll find it in the low 40s, and that Cole Beasley is still looked upon as a really excellent flex play that has a very low floor, probably of zero. Okay. Uh, so we have a question here in the chat uh, from MathQuest. Thank you once again for joining us, buddy. Uh, you, you're on a nice streak here. I choose you for that one. So we'd like to know if any of the waiver wire options are better than Matt Ryan, because Matt Ryan is not going to have Julio this week. So he's looking at Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, Daniel Jones, and Carson Wentz. Um, I tell you right now, I don't like those last two options. I do like Derek Carr, though. I think that Derek Carr... Um, is somebody who you probably have ranked higher than Matt Ryan. Am I right about that? That looks right. Yeah, so Matt Ryan's ranked 13. I have Derek Carr at 9. Of course, he plays Atlanta, and I'll get to him in a little bit when we talk about uh, another guy uh, on... Who I um... left out of the notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's fine. You just didn't include You'll be fine. that person. I, I might have pasted the wrong section <laughs> twice. Well, no worries. But I, I personally think that uh, Derek Carr is probably the best out of all of those options. When we, when we look at the list... Um, I also like Kirk Cousins, though I don't think that this matchup uh, this week is good at all. I much prefer next week's matchup with Cousins. Uh, and I don't think that Daniel Jones or Carson Wentz is someone you want to mess with at all, ever, if you can avoid it. So uh, I, I 100% go Derek Carr, and I think you're going to agree with me. There. I do agree with you. I think that that offense has been playing better. But, it, you know, I like matchups, and Atlanta is uh, the worst or second worst against opposing quarterbacks. So that, that's a no-brainer for me. Uh, go with Derek Carr and uh, get yourself a win there, buddy. Yeah, they're the worst against opposing quarterbacks. Well, what's better than, than playing against the worst at something? The worst. It's the best for you. <laughs> uh, so, yes, tell us about one of the people who Derek Carr will be throwing the ball to. Uh, I, I will do. Okay. Well, maybe uh, uh, tell them a little bit about the website and what articles they can expect there, because I uh, I told the I told the people in the chat room here on YouTube, and if, if you're listening on the podcast, uh, feel free to also browse to our YouTube channel, and you can search for Drink Five; it'll come right up, uh, and subscribe and like our uh, YouTube channel because we're going to keep producing content for it and some things off season as well. And, and heck, maybe we'll even have a video recipe about how to make your own cast iron pizza because what's better than that during a football game? Oh, that was a phenomenal thing that we did earlier tonight. I'm very happy that that one came out very good. Uh, so, yes, if you do go to our website during Cheers. the week, uh, like today, you can go and check out Confidence Picks from our guy, Tad. Uh, Tad picks the games every week. He's done a very good job all season long. Uh, gives you a little uh, bit of advice about each team. And... Um, what you're going to be able to do is uh, 
come back to the site Thursday, Friday or so and uh, check out the Rookie Report. That is by Sean Foss. He is going to give you a breakdown of basically every single rookie that has anything to do with anything on the offense uh, at an offensive skill position. Even kickers. um, So there is more information about rookies there than I have ever seen as far as fantasy football goes. Yeah, and with Sean in mind, uh, we intend on having him back uh, on the podcast before the end of the season, as well as maybe uh, Tad, who's our confidence pick expert on a weekly basis. Um, and make sure to check out all those articles. They all have some value in them. But I will uh, go ahead and start with Nelson. Yes, please. Tell us about Mr. Algalor. <laughs> you, we, we should do a podcast where we're just referring to all of the fantasy football players uh, by their first names. I feel like it would make you uncomfortable. You're like, Nelson, I don't know. <laughs> Like, Aaron. Let's talk about James. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so Nelson Aguilar, wide receiver, forty-four uh, in the expert consensus ranking. That's an average uh, uh, among all the experts. A consensus, if you will. That's a consensus. Thirty-one to fifty-three is the best to worst, and I like including that because sometimes you'll see that it's very tight, and yeah. sometimes you'll see that maybe one guy has uh, Aguilar up at like. 10, well, it's interesting what you pointed out earlier with Tyler Boyd, how he had a large range, more broad, but he's yeah. mostly towards the top of the range. And then T. Higgins has a, a decent-sized range. He's mostly towards the bottom of that range. And you can you could easily uh, do a whole show about that, and, and that's what would be uh, the determination of uh, uh, the variability of that player, um, based on the experts' opinions, of course. That's true. Uh, 7.4 fantasy points is his projection. It's 47% owned, as I'm going to talk about for these guys in this flexible section. Uh, and uh, he is on, of course, the Las Vegas Raiders. Week 12, they play Atlanta. We just talked about Atlanta. Yep. Uh, Aguilar appears to have won the wide receiver one job there after most of the season had the Raiders undecided about how to divide up the targets in the passing game. And tight end Darren Waller leads the team in targets this season so far, and that's not really a surprise to us, but a lot of people thought that Henry Ruggs would immediately be up there getting passes, or Brian Edwards, and of course uh, Tyrell He's, Williams, who was injured. Uh, Renfro from last year and Hunter Renfro was supposed to take a step up hasn't quite done that yet so Darren Waller has 84 targets and that's by far the leader but Aguilar has come on strong so if we look at the targets after the bye week uh, Aguilar is the leader of the wide receivers with 27 targets that's 10 more than any other wide receiver on the team the 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 person that had 17 was Hunter Renfro uh, last week's performance gave us six receptions on nine targets for 88 yards and one touchdown. That's good for 17.8 fantasy points. And I think we can expect more of the same going up against the Falcons. So we talked about how horrible they are against quarterbacks. Well, it, it just goes to say that the quarterbacks, of course, are passing to wide receivers. And uh, they are a team giving up the third most fantasy points to the wide receiver position at 29.2 fantasy points per oh, game. Man. So it's honestly surprising. So many it's surprising to me that Aguilar is not owned in more leagues, only owned in 47%. Uh, and, and it's likely he regularly finishes within the top 20 fantasy performers at wide receiver through the end of the season. That's my prediction. Uh, for example, this past week, I believe he was number 9 or 10. Uh, and you don't have to uh, finish at that level to finish in the top 20. You only really need to have like 12, uh, 11, 12 fantasy points. I think it won't be difficult for Aguilar to regularly make those leaderboards throughout the playoffs. Two, four, six, so, 
Uh, let me ask you. You got that right, nine. What's your confidence level for the Raiders offense continuing to play at a high level over the next couple of weeks in order to get Aguilar the ball? Because they are not an offense that has a ton of passing attempts, but the ones that they have are generally pretty efficient with the wide receivers. You know, the the Raiders offense is very good. As you said, it's it's an efficient offense. They have a great running back. They have a great tight end. All they need to be is efficient and clean at the wide receiver position. They need uh, Derek Carr to get Darren Waller the ball all over the place. They're throwing the ball to Josh Jacobs more than they ever have. And then all that leaves is like guys who will excel at the possession receiving spot because they really don't have the deep threat. It's not working right now with rugs. And so that means that Aguilar steps into that position and he's been really good at it. And he's been really good over the last few weeks. So I like what I'm seeing out of them. I think that they played great last week. Mm-hmm. That was a really exciting Sunday night game. Yep. Um, I, I hope that we get more of that. I could definitely see the Raiders winning a playoff game this year. That's amazing, isn't it? And and for Raiders fans like uh, like Tad, uh, who writes for our, our website, if you're watching, congratulations, man. You have people actually saying that the Raiders could make it to the playoffs, and not only that, but win games within them. Game. Win game. Win game. Win game. <laughs> that said... Uh, and I and I and I obviously jest. You know, I'm having a good uh, season as a Steelers fan this particular uh, year. But I also like the Raiders, and we were going to go to Las Vegas to watch a game at the new stadium, and that would have been super sweet. I hope we're able to do that next we year. We will. You know, I think the stadium will be there a while. Yeah. And so will Vegas. Well, I hope the stadium's there a while. So we do have a question. Another question <laughs> from the chat. Uh, Responsible asks: Sit or start, Mitch Trubisky or Mike Lennon? And my answer to you is sit. Uh, so, so right now I have Glennon ranked as 31 and Trubisky as 34. If you're in a league that starts three quarterbacks, you could consider starting one of those guys, assuming that everyone else is unavailable. I see no reason to start either at any point in the season, um, even if they do well this week. Uh, I think it would require for me multiple weeks of 20 plus fantasy points to start either of those guys. I think we both said the same thing. I just used fewer words. You know, I appreciate efficiencies, <laughs> but sometimes... Like the Raiders' offense, I am efficient. Sometimes you got to talk negatively about Mitch Trubisky for a longer period of time. I've done a lot of that. <laughs> I'm good. You got anything else to say about Mr. Aguilar? Um, not really. I, I really just... Uh, I, I wanted to see for the longest time who was going to be that WR1 on the team. It looks like we've solidified that position uh, for the rest, at least, of the regular season for the fantasy world. And that's what's important, is knowing who gets the targets, and I think that's who gets the targets. Yep. So I really like Michael Pittman, wide receiver for Indianapolis. Uh, Michael Pittman, he's a rookie. He's finally worked his way into the lineup over the last three weeks. He has an average of 83% of the offensive snaps in the last three weeks. It's a higher share than both T.Y. Hilton and Zach Pascal. Uh, Pittman has the highest number of targets of those three players over that same time period. So his other encouraging numbers that I like, 77.4% catch rate, 56-plus yards over the last three weeks, uh, at least over the last three weeks. Uh, He finally found the end zone last week. So clearly he's caught the eye of Phillip Rivers. Um, This is going to be this week they're playing the Titans. It's a rematch from two weeks ago when Pittman went over 100 yards. Um, The Titans are giving up the sixth most points to opposing wide receivers and have given up 14 double-digit performances to wide receivers this year. Sure. That's including Pittman's in Week 10. And whenever I'm quoting these stats, it's all half-point PPR. Um, so Pittman is only owned in 49% of Flea Flicker Leagues. 
Uh, I think he might even be available on your waiver wire. He's startable this week. He has two more matchups coming up against the Texans, who give up the 10th most points to opposing wide receivers. Um, so you told me, Dave, that uh, offline you had said that Pittman was a good grab two weeks ago. What did you see in him two weeks ago uh, that caught your eye? Because, you know, you're right. This is another similar situation to Aguilar, where there was a team that was struggling to find a WR1. They had T.Y. Hilton, and T.Y. Hilton was uh, the incumbent, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and he just didn't seem to be hitting those uh, blocks the way he should. Uh, and there were other people on the team um, uh, that, that were unable to stay healthy uh, and, and grab that, um, that position. So Michael Pittman um, just seems to have overcome an initial smaller injury and before that, he did perform to a decent level, but as a rookie in the first couple games, it, how much can you expect? Uh, but I think that, as you know, if there's going to be a rookie receiver that comes on, they generally come out at the end of the year after they're more comfortable. Not like a, a Chase Claypool or uh, like a, a lot of the receivers this year have been pretty impressive early. Uh, oh, yeah. But I think we're seeing Pittman as that standard rookie who comes on later, who fills in for guys that get injured. Who yeah, He's not a Justin Jefferson, but... No, but, he, but he's building that chemistry, and yeah. he's looking like a, a guy that could be a wide receiver one or two on this team for a long time. So I, I think the reason why I, I said that is because, one, uh, I had picked him specifically in a dynasty league, so I had done a lot of research on him beforehand. Okay. But two, I picked him up uh, uh, in a redraft league a couple of weeks ago, because of the injuries and uh, and the poor performance of T.Y. Hilton. Sure. So right now, his target share, while he has more than the other guys, he has like 18 over the last three games. You've got Pascal with, I think, 14 and Hilton with 13. Do you think they're going to keep being rather evenly divided, or do you think that Pittman will kind of pull away and, and see like a 40% share and the other guys will have to split the rest? I think he's still a rookie, um, but, okay. but I think he'll, uh, he'll waver back and forth uh, that really depends on Philip Rivers, like you said, and and his chemistry with him. But you know what's the best thing in in football, uh, almost more than anything else, is uh, is having someone that there's not a lot of tape on, having somebody that's a new uh, uh, injection, a spark of life, of energy to an offense. And I think that's what these rookies do. So I expect that Pittman will be someone that you can start at a flex position, just like you mentioned, for the rest of the year. Great. Um, I did not manage to land him on any of my teams, so good luck with Pittman. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least you tried, and you, and you recognize it. And, heck, if he does badly, then you can be like, nope, <laughs> I had no part of that. If he does well, then I can live vicariously through all of you who take my advice. Well, he's already had some big games. What, what I'd like to do is, uh, you know, at some point do a deeper dive in this when we look at, like, uh, a performance as more of a graph and, and how the other... Uh, uh, stats line up to that quarterback stats, winning loss record, etc. To see if there's any pattern that we can possibly ascertain uh, from those bumps. Like uh, we saw, Pittman had a good game. Yeah, that's great. But does that mean something in the scope of things, or does it just mean that he randomly had a good game and then it's and know, then he's not going to have more? Yeah. yeah. So, so I think it means something. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, the last guy I have to talk about is James White. And you all know James White. Anyone who's played fantasy football for, for more than uh, this year knows James White. <laughs> but if you are perhaps... Super Bowl MVP James White? Say you're a new uh, player and you see James White out there who did well for a couple of weeks and then nothing, right? Rex Burkhead, that's the guy, right? Rex Burkhead. 
uh, it's not that surprising that you might think that James White is not a, uh, a fantasy football uh, option for your team. Now, the Patriots' situation at running back has always been one to avoid, but when White is playing his usual role at pass catching from the backfield, he's a really usable component. He is a running back 44 right now on ECR. That's best, worst, 35 to 46. Again, lower variability there. Yeah. Um, that's six points. And still on the low end of that. Yeah, but a lot of people, like you mentioned, might not have put into the uh, factored in that uh, Burkhead's probably going to be out for a long time and all that's the true. other stuff. That's true. Um, and 65% owned, which means that in some leagues he's still available. When I look through my leagues, he's only available in one of them, and that is a short uh, rostered 10-team league. That's a drink five league. Yeah. Uh, and I would not be surprised to see him picked up, you know, today, right now. But uh, for me and my team, I just uh, I find that a questionable option for me. But if you're in a 12-team league or a 14-team league, uh, anything that has a roster that has some flex spots, uh, it's likely that uh, he, he may be owned, and if he's not, you should scoop him up immediately. Let's talk about his role. It was cast aside over the past couple weeks in favor of Rex Burkhead. Now, I don't know why. I don't know the reasons why that happened. It's 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 what we've said all along. It's a Belichick backfield, <laughs> yeah. and you can't predict it. You don't know what's going to happen in it, and you just have to accept the fact that um, he's going to give you an ulcer if you rely on it. But with Burkhead going down now, uh, having a knee injury from last week, and feared to have a season-ending ACL that has not been confirmed yet, perhaps you could look and just see if it has since we are live right now. Um, Jason will let us know the latest, but I doubt that they announced something at 9 p.m. Sure. The, honestly, I was actually browsing some headlines earlier. I forgot to mention, when you're talking about all the Cincinnati guys, um, Giovanni Bernard is mispracticed with a concussion now. Did it say concussion? Yep. Oh. Well, don't start anybody from Cincinnati. <laughs> so, again, this was another injury as far as Burkhead goes that um, the – uh, broadcast refused to show a replay of. All right. Well, we're going to assume that there's not going to be Burkhead. I just wanted to see if there was confirmation of some kind of a, of an MRI or something. Uh, not I, yet. I, it's likely that we'll probably see it tomorrow or Friday, or maybe we won't see it. But I think at this point we are going to assume that Burkhead's not going to play. And White. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think the assumption could be that he's not going to play the rest of the year. Yeah, and White immediately uh, came back in and took the reins. Put up 11.3 fantasy points, mostly bolstered by six receptions for nine targets. And we're still uh, awaiting that final confirmation, but like we said, he's probably not going to play for the rest of the year. So White, again, will be a PPR staple from week to week, logging six to eight receptions on the regular. That's what he normally does. That's what the Burkhead role was happening with. And he'll also have a small rotational or situational role in the rushing game. Uh, the Patriots may not be the most consistent team, this year or any year uh, from uh, an offensive standpoint. As far as which running back they're using. Or even an offensive standpoint, being that they don't have their usual Brady, Gronk, etc. That's true. But do you think White can find enough production to find his way back into fantasy lineups in time for the playoffs? Because I think, and I'll let you you know, uh, 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 pontificate on this, but I think that, uh, that White will be, again, someone that is really useful over the last couple weeks of the year. Um, here's the thing. In order for White to be extremely useful, he needs to be catching passes out of the backfield, right? That's something that I have noticed that Cam Newton is terrible at lately. He doesn't have the touch to get the ball to White 
so that he can run with it right away. Uh, it's always going to be like a pass that's thrown too hard or a pass that's off target, and White just has to do all he can to make the catch, and he's not going to get the extra yardage with it. I don't think that um, the very short passing game is one that Cam Newton really excels at, and I don't think that uh, he's going to figure it out in the next couple of weeks. So I, I love James White. I think that he is an excellent player, but I think that Cam Newton is the wrong quarterback for him, and I don't think that he is going to turn it into – uh, reasonable fantasy production. Well, I have to disagree a little bit just because I uh, I saw it already happen uh, this past week, and Rex Burkhead's role is gone. Yeah. And what the best thing that could ever happen to New England running backs is that there's less of them. Yes. So although Sony Michelle was out but last he week, and he'll be back. Those guys aren't catching passes. That's true. That's very true. Sony Michelle, I think, caught like two passes all year. Yeah. So I, I, I understand what you're saying. I totally agree with it as well. And I think that Cam Newton is the wrong choice for Bill Belichick's offense. And I hope, uh, you know, that things don't implode there. Uh, but it certainly seems like th- stuff is heading in that direction. But that said, I, I maybe we look at this as, um, as a situation to monitor. But if you don't pick up James White now and he's available, he won't be available next week. That's all I'm saying. So, um, so one more question uh, until we get to the cut list. Is T.Y. Hilton worth starting as a number three receiver? Um, it depends on the matchups, I would say. We know that we both like Pittman. Um, you know, T.Y. Hilton has not been doing a whole lot lately. Um, perhaps we would like Sammy Watkins instead. Uh, uh, Watkins I, coming back from injury, that's a tough one. I don't think that for me it's a problem at all to just say cut T.Y. Hilton right now. He was on our cut list. He's been on our cut list multiple times. He's currently ranked for me at 61. I don't think T.Y. Hilton is a good receiver any longer in this particular offense with this particular quarterback. Uh, and I don't mean to so vehemently disagree with you, but I, I don't think that T.Y. Hilton belongs on any fantasy No, teams. I was like maybe, but no, I, I agree with you. Yeah. That's fine. Get him off your team. Replace him with Michael Pittman. Replace him with Nelson Aguilar. I didn't even bother putting him on the cut list because I figured he was cut. We literally are providing all the options that you can have that are not D.Y. Hilton right now. (laughs) All right, so let's talk about the J. Cut list. Starting at quarterback. Uh, We've got Taysom Hill. His extra eligibility has been revoked. I don't think that he's going to be a guy that you can rely on to score two rushing touchdowns every week. And uh, he still doesn't have a passing touchdown in his career. So, as a quarterback, that is a red flag for me. Yeah, so uh, so Taysom Hill is, uh, as you mentioned, uh, red flagged. He is clearly not startable as a wide receiver or tight end. Uh, and if you're starting him as a quarterback, then I hope that it's in a super flex league. But the problem with Taysom Hill is he's completely dependent on running back uh, uh, work, rushing touchdowns. Yes. And if he is not getting those, it's not going to work out for you as a fantasy manager. What they was, have a much tougher matchup this week against Denver. What was good to see uh, is that uh, Michael Thomas actually did well with Taysom Hill under center in that uh, Michael Thomas had 9 of 12 targets for 104 yards. He's not Drew Brees, but he's actually hitting his primary receiver, and that's good news. And Michael Thomas looks like a wide receiver again. He basically uh, doubled up his stats on the year <laughs> in one game. Yeah, he was like uh, the, the 150th ranked wide receiver for a while there, which is it's <laughs> insane. Uh, but I still don't think that even if uh, he peppers Michael Thomas with targets, uh, he doesn't have enough other targets, and he doesn't have uh, uh, enough of uh, um, an efficiency uh, with the ball as a passing quarterback 
to to make it worthwhile to start him in a one quarterback league. Yep. Uh, Tuo Tungvaloa. Tungo Vailoa. Tungo Vailoa. You did it. I did it. Three times. I don't think I said the same thing three times in a row. <laughs> so after being benched last week, it's pretty clear to me it's not going to happen for Tua in 2020. And here's a time when I'm really comfortable using the first name. Um, so drop him in redraft leagues. Obviously, don't drop him in dynasty leagues or even a keeper league. You might want to just hold on to him for the end of the year uh, just to see what happens. But uh, if they're going to be so quick to bench him, then it's not going to happen this year. Uh, at running back, you got Kalen Balaj. Uh, Austin Eckler is back at practice. He, he has a 21-day window now to be activated, so it may not happen this week. But if it's not this week, I think it's going to be next week because Eckler was showing videos of him running at full speed uh, a couple weeks ago. So he must be pretty much ready to go. Uh, Adrian Peterson, I think even Adrian agrees on this one. Uh, again, I'm, I guess I'm familiar at the end of the podcast with these guys. Uh, so based on his comments to the coaching staff, was which was like, they were like, oh, we're going to start using Swift more than you. And he was like, yeah, you should have done that weeks ago. So Now, um, Swift didn't play last week because of a concussion. Uh, and uh, he is supposed to play this week, but might still uh, uh, not be able to uh, to start. So that's something to, to think about when we're talking about the cut list. If there is no Swift, then obviously Peterson is still a consideration. There, there, there are a few if, things that I can rely on happening every single year. One of them is that the Lions are going to be bad on Thanksgiving. Well, <laughs> all I'm saying is, if Swift is playing, then I agree that like there is there's no other running back on that on that team that is even worth starting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Le'Veon Bell. I think we've gone over this one already, but we don't need to keep Le'Veon Bell on a, on our team. It's clear that he's not even going to be reaching double digit touches uh, on any given week. So at wide receiver, uh, you got Travis Fulgham. I think that even though he was the guy earlier in the year. You can go ahead and drop him. The Eagles are cratering. They look terrible. Uh, Fulgham has two receptions on 12 targets over the last two weeks. So everything is going wrong with the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, get out while you can. I actually like Travis Fulgham and don't think he, that, that he's an auto drop. But you're 100% right about the stats, and you're 100% right about the Eagles not doing well. Yep. That They are uh, in full nosedive mode. Uh, okay, let's run over the last couple, and then we'll do a couple quick hit questions from the chat room. If you have any more, let us know now. We're almost done. Uh, we've got Tra- T. Higgins. We talked about him earlier. Goodbye, Burrow means goodbye, Higgins, for redraft leagues. And Marquise Brown, six receptions since the bye four weeks ago. Enough said. Don't keep him around. And yeah, we then, talked about him being dropped in, like, week three. So whoever He's still being dropped in tons of whoever leagues. Whoever still has Marquise Brown, whoever has Hollywood Brown on their roster, you're not – Listening to us. Yes. Cut Marquise <laughs> Brown. And in tight end, you're on your own. There's just, it's too crazy. And um, uh, whatever random tight, don't don't keep more than one tight end. Pick one tight end and stick with it. Don't keep a bunch of tight ends. That's my advice for you on tight ends. Um, so a couple of chat room questions. You answer in the chat. We'll just uh, read it out really quick. Um, Got to start two out of three. Of these running backs, Le'Veon Bell, James White, and Adrian Peterson, who gets the axe. Um, I think I agree with you. Well, that's a tough one. Um, this guy must have a bunch of really deep leagues or terrible teams. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, he just later... Your first question was, are there any other running backs available? Later in the chat, he's like, oh, God, my team is horrible. Ah. <laughs> okay. 
let's 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 try to give you a reasonable answer. Let's go by your rankings, Dave. What do your rankings say on this? Who is the low man on the totem pole there? My rankings in half PPR say that James White is at 37 and running backs. Uh, Adrian Peterson is 42, um, and uh, Le'Veon Bell is 44. And so I think that Le'Veon Bell has a chance at a touchdown because he's going to get some usage. Adrian Peterson has a chance if DeAndre Swift doesn't play. Yeah. James White has the most usage profile right now out of any of them. I think that I would agree with saying sit Le'Veon Bell. If I'm going to tell you to sit Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, I'm definitely going to tell you to sit Le'Veon Bell. Yeah. Okay. Uh, pick three, A.J. Brown, uh, Chase Claypool, Robert Woods, or Robbie Anderson. That's a much better selection of players. I think I like the first three. I think Robbie Anderson's my guy, my, my guy out. Just a uh, total uh, knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, we're agreed. We don't have to go further into that. Uh, the PPR League, Robbie Anderson, uh, I think that Brown, Claypool, and Robert Woods are uh, uh, all doing really well. Chance to score a touchdown, uh, well-targeted by their teams. Robbie Anderson, uh, although earlier in the year definitely had more of a possession receiver vibe yeah. than he's had in the past uh they, they've got quarterback problems and health problems with quarterback I mean, we like robbie anderson yeah but you don't want to start a wide receiver when they've got quarterback issues and it's definitely a red flag but those other three guys are just those are they're good good wide receivers yeah they're doing i want it. them in my lineup so i hope uh for responsible's sake he's not playing phantom gaming this week <laughs> yeah if you're I mean, I, I see no reason why they'd be in the same league. That'd be. Pretty... I'm just throwing this out there. But but if you're playing against that guy, you're probably gonna lose. That's some. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to say. Uh, what about Cordrell Patterson? I'm a Packer fan, but needs something instead, instead of, of Bell, Bell or, AP. or AP. So so what 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 I'd I love for you to do David while Montgomery might be back this week. While we're online here, just for uh, you know, for shits and giggles, uh, if you could very quickly just take a look on fantasy uh, pros and, and see if they're uh, – well, just just look on your league and, and tell me who, like, the top five running backs that are available are based on projection. Yep. Uh, but as far as Patterson is concerned – I don't like Patterson because Montgomery has cleared concussion protocol. He's not He's not anything for us. Like, he's, yeah. he's, he doesn't show up on the list, you know. Yeah. He's not a blip on the radar. Uh, and Metcalf. Wow, Phantom Gaming. Well, I hope you're beating up everybody. He is a must start. I assume that then yeah. you're throwing one of those guys in your flex. Come on, if you got if you got AJ Brown and uh, like, I Metcalf, guess I think Robert Robert Woods. Robert Woods and Chase Claypool are not guys that were drafted really high. You kind of hit on them well, but D- DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. That's an awesome team. So congratulations to you. Yeah, it's a wonderful problem to have. And yeah, wrist. Let us know who you have if there's anybody available. Uh, but we will need to. Uh, uh, to uh, wrap it up real quickly here, uh, you can always uh, hit us up after the show. Of course, we, we tweet told us you. at Drink Five. Email us. Um, what do you call it? Yeah. Uh, Jason at Drink Five. David Drink Five. I may have potentially forgotten my name there for a moment. <laughs> uh, uh, Mike Mike asks uh, if there's anybody in Baltimore that's a running back that's useful to look at uh, outside of Gus Edwards, and the answer is yes. Uh, Justice Hill is an interesting guy to look at who is available in almost every league, but he hasn't played at all this year, and he didn't do well last year. So when we get to the point where we're at the fourth 
running back, the fifth running back, I don't ever recommend picking them up because there's somebody else uh, that's a second or third in some other team that's way more valuable than you picking up the garbage on, on you know a team that's devastated by injuries. In this case, uh, uh, COVID IR. And I don't like it this week against the Steelers regardless. No, if you're going to play anybody, don't play them against the Steelers. Don't play them against the Saints. Like, let's be reasonable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well... So make sure that you guys follow us on Twitter. Uh, come to our YouTube channel and subscribe to us. If you're here listening, please subscribe. If you're listening later on, please go to the channel and subscribe. Just search YouTube Drink 5 and you'll find us there. Um, we'll be back next week with the final game of the fantasy football regular season. That's right. Tuesday. Week 13. We look forward to it. And we certainly hope you're going to make your playoffs. And if you didn't, well, I guess... You can still listen during the playoffs. you got many months to uh, no to, stop to figure out what you did wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, still go to the box and you feel shame. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Oh.